Hi, and welcome back to the Business Casual. My name is Stacy, and today I'm joined by the CEO of Delivery Circle, Natalie Putman. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. How are you? Fine, thank you. Good to be here. I'm excited to have you. Why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself, where you currently live, and where you're currently at in your career. Okay, I'm happy to do that. I am uh, currently in the greater Phoenix area, and I have uh, only moved out here about six months ago. I had started my career in Michigan a long time ago, a graduate of Central Michigan University, majoring in business and minoring in economics. Um, I am near the tail end of my career, uh, having been in the business nearly 40 years now, all in transportation, supply chain, and logistics. Awesome. That's why I'm so excited to have you on the show to hear more about what it's been like for you since you are at the end of your career, hearing your expertise and advice and everything you've learned throughout the last 40 years of your career. To start to get a chance for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better, um, we're going to do 10 rapid fire questions. So you have a couple seconds to think about it and then answer with one word. Have fun with it. And give, this is going to give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better and more about your interests and passions. Ready? Okay, I'm ready. Awesome. First one is your favorite NFL team. Without a doubt, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> favorite class you took in college? That would be urban economics. Interesting. Okay. Favorite U.S. city other than the one you currently live in? Detroit. Is that where you were born or is that where you grew up? Yeah, I spent a lot of time in Detroit, so it's, um, it's my hometown. Pretty close to us in Toronto, not too far away. Absolutely, absolutely. I didn't uh, grow up in Detroit, but it is, um, it's, I live near. Awesome. Guilty pleasure? Uh, probably Noosa yogurt. Oh, I've never heard of that. Oh, it's fantastic. Don't try it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite author or book? Well, this changes all the time, but as of uh, Sunday, after I completed the reading of Too Much, Never Enough by Mary Trump, I'd say she's my favorite author. author. Dog or cat? Dogs. Me too. Do you have any dogs? We have two dogs, Max, Maxwell formerly, and Cody, Commander Cody. So two, yeah, two uh, uh, golden doodles, both kind of a white and apricot, and they're, uh, they're our favorites. Oh, those are my favorite types of dogs. If you were stranded on an island and you could only play one album the whole time, what album would you play while you're on the island? It would probably be Jet, oh. which is a rock band that's, um, I don't think they're around anymore, but uh, it's some music I've always enjoyed. Nice. Glasses or contacts? Well, I'm forced into glasses, but I'd prefer contacts. Yeah, me too. I love my, my contacts. <laughs> favorite vacation destination? We had a fantastic vacation a few years ago in uh, near Tuscany, oh. Siena in Italy and rented a uh, Airbnb, um, actually it was a mansion. And we had uh, four, uh, four couples and that would be my favorite vacation destination. I'd do it again in a minute. Beautiful, hopefully we will all be traveling again soon safely. <laughs> that would be great. And last but not least, your drink of choice. Anything with Domaine Cantone in it, which is a ginger liqueur. Nice. Well, my 19th birthday is a couple weeks away, so I will be sure to try it out once I hit 19. You'll love it. It's fabulous. That was awesome. Glad we got to know you a little bit better. 
And now we'll get into the official interview. And to start, I'd love to hear more about your current company delivery circle, what the company does, what your day-to-day -day tasks are as a CEO, and what it means to be a certified women's business enterprise. Okay, well, Delivery Circle is a, what's called a SaaS technology company, software as a service. We also produce a delivery um, experience for customers in that we will operate with gig economy workers and produce a delivery if the customer needs it. But we're primarily a tech company that uh, provides a workflow and a dispatch platform for local deliveries within an urban area, same day service, provides text messages, geofencing, signature capture, photographic evidence of deliveries. It's a lot like the Amazon experience you have, only it's available to any business that wants to produce that Amazon-like experience for their customers. Um, I've been here since January as the CEO, and a lot of the work that I'm doing is helping the IT team with development, defining the project, uh, and what features and capabilities we want on our platform, and then talking with prospects and customers to uh, make sure we're aligned with those uh, needs and that we are ahead of our competitors and we're active in the marketplace. So working from home, it's all on the phone, of course, but that is a lot of what I do each day. Very interesting. I've never um, heard of a company that is kind of mimics what Amazon does, but it sounds super interesting. And I think especially now, tech is super up and coming and a lot of companies are learning to navigate this tech space and entering the social media marketing side and navigating how to work in a COVID-19 era. And that brings me to my next question, which is how has the transportation logistics world changed since COVID and how do you see this specific industry changing in the months to come? COVID has been um, a very impactful, of course, to anybody that operates in a home delivery environment. So our software specializes in getting businesses able to deliver to people's homes. The first thing that happened when COVID hit was that the uh, many of our customers just shut down. They were not able to operate any longer. And we actually, I didn't mention this, but we actually deliver blood. Uh, for blood banks, and we deliver those from the blood banks to the hospitals. We deliver tires, we deliver food, uh, food subscription meal kits, another one, and even library books. And so all of those things were impacted because of COVID. Some of those businesses shut down completely, others were reduced in scope, like tire companies that no longer are selling as many tires because people aren't driving their vehicles nearly as far. The reverse side of that or the other side of it was that we had a lot of companies now coming to us that wanted to find out how they could deliver to homes and they had not ever done it before. So it was a mix of both um, decline in demand for our services and an increase in demand for our services by new entrants to the home delivery market. Interesting, and as a CEO and especially a female leader in the company, did you find that your relationships with a lot of your employees changed as well, considering everything was online and making sure your employees were comfortable and people were still engaged in their work and being able to work from home? And, you know, as a CEO, how did that change your perspective on what your role was? I think that forevermore, the entire landscape of work as we know it has been changed because of COVID, not just here at Delivery Circle, but everywhere. And what I mean by that is that the ability to work from home has now been proven and beyond any question, it works. It can be productive or even more productive for those that are office employees. Essential workers, of course, have to have to be physically present, but for so many of the rest of us 
the ability to work from home, um, I think, is going to continue. And here at Delivery Circle, it was novel in that I had only started with the company in January. This hit in March. I had not yet even met all the employees. There are some that I have never physically been in contact with, and we're a small company. The founder uh, and chairperson, Vijaya Rao, I've met her all of twice since wow. I joined. And the plan had been that I'd travel to Delaware every other week, but in COVID, of course, I made one visit and I've not been back. So we have uh, weekly video calls and are quite connected and I feel the group is quite cohesive. Nonetheless, it is a very different environment than what was anticipated and what would be considered a traditional, uh, traditional company culture. For sure. And on just a personal note, how have you found working from home? Do you prefer working from home or do you prefer the office environment? I'm sure, as you mentioned, you would have been doing a lot of traveling. So do you like now that you're in one space and it's a little bit more, I guess, consistent than what your day to day was before COVID? I think the office environment is great because you build a social structure and you have a network in the work from home environment. I would tell you I am certainly more productive. Uh, but there is less interaction and less ability to build out those social networks. So um, it's, it's mixed. I'd like to have a little bit of both if I could have my preference. But given where we're at, um, it's strictly from home. And that makes me a very productive CEO. Wow, that's awesome. That's interesting to hear because I think as a student myself and what I've heard from a lot of, heard from a lot of my friends is we're less productive at home having moved mm. back from university. But I think that also has a lot to do with just the fact that it's also summer and we hadn't spent a lot of time with family. So I think now starting in September, hopefully students who are working at home will be able to find themselves being more productive like myself. Yeah. It's been definitely a learning curve, but I like the fact that I am home and can work at my own pace and set my own schedules. And it's taught me a lot of time management as well, which I'm sure same for you and a lot of your employees is kind of setting your own day since no one is really there to make sure you start work on time or tell you when you can go on break or anything like that. Absolutely, Stacy. And what I've found is that living in Phoenix, I'm three hours behind the East Coast, which really is the nucleus of business activity. And the result of that is my days start very early. Right. So I'm, I am uh, driven by that schedule, which helps me be productive. That's really good. Um, moving a little bit away from like specific to your company, you've worked at quite a few different companies before Delivery Circle. And I want to hear more about what it was like for you working your way up the corporate ladder, as they call it. Did you ever work in an environment that you felt it was harder to get promotions over your male colleagues, or you felt that you weren't getting equal opportunities? Make no mistake, when I started in logistics in 1981, it was not a question, it was a fact that women were not even hired at some of the trucking companies um, that were in, operating in the United States at that point. So there were avenues not open to me and that was simply accepted that they would not hire women into the management ranks at those companies. Today, um, I think that's gotten much better, but uh, make no mistake, there is an undercurrent in which uh, women are not put on equal footing uh, too often, uh, nor are folks of color uh, given the same opportunity. And I think to deny that is uh, to deny the reality of why women are underrepresented on boards, <clears throat> underrepresented as CEOs, and in other um, key parts of business today. And how did you kind of overcome that? Or was there any mentors you had or anyone that throughout your career helped you enter those management positions or when did you kind of learn that you had to stick up for yourself 
uh, in order to move forward in your career? I think what's interesting is that when I first graduated from college, and I, I suspect a lot of um, young women are like this, I had low self-esteem and I had uh, real questions about my ability to uh, do the job. Right. And, and because of that, I set my expectations very low and thought if I could just get away with fooling a few people that, um, that I could do the job, then maybe eventually I'd figure it out. And of course, over time, it became um, more clear to me. But over time, what I mean by that is in terms of years, not months. So it took uh, years to come to the conclusion that I was capable and competent and was actually good at what I do. And I think um, I, I think that's an important lesson for women in particular who already have the challenge of being underrepresented in the workplace. So your network is already uh, sometimes challenged because networking um, is a little bit easier with your own gender and then add to it <clears throat> your own concerns or lack of confidence. And those two things become uh, very difficult for women to be successful um, without without a mentor, without somebody intervening and, and giving you a hand up. Yeah, like you said, with the self-confidence and having that in your mind that you don't think you are good enough, that's similar to what we had on the, the two girls we had on the podcast last week um, from Alina and Bess. They had the same struggles entering, sorry, leaving college. And that's why they created their own business. And they were like, we're just gonna start something fresh and try and educate people around us and educate females to start building those self-confidence, building their self-confidence up and getting those uh, networking skills that they need that, you know, males or just other females might have automatically. Females kind of need that little bit of an extra push in order right. to really put ourselves out there and feel confident in our own skin. So it's yep. great hearing your side of the story and hearing how you've overcome this and really taken that and not let it stop you as you've been very successful in your career. And it's great to hear how you've taken everything these last 40 years and now you are CEO of an amazing company and <laughs> truly are, you know, being on the show here today, inspiring other women who are females who might be in the beginning of their career and can take your advice and definitely run with it. Um, on the topic of maintaining relationships and networking, considering that everything is online right now, do you have any tips for students in general on how to maintain relationships they make in a professional environment or networking online or how to reach out to people that they might want to ask questions to? I do, Stacy. I actually feel fairly strongly about this. I see young people frequently trying to network and um, some are more successful than others. <laughs> um, but what they tend to have in common and is a bit unfortunate is that they come asking for something introducing themselves, handing a business card, or reaching out on LinkedIn, but it's usually requesting something. I would tell you that to network successfully, you need to come and provide something. So whatever that might be from uh, uh, unequivocal volunteer to assist in something, to provide advice or insight, anytime you can ask somebody for something, they might answer, but when you offer to give somebody something, you're going to get a very different and more sincere and enthusiastic response. So for example, when you're reaching out on LinkedIn, rather than just asking if you can be added to my network or can I add you to my network in reverse, you might ask, I'm a college student, I have been um, 
I have been involved in uh, writing blogs over a period of time and producing podcasts. And it's a, it's a skill set that I'm proud of. And I'd love to be able to help your company as a volunteer to produce a podcast or two. It might not be something as substantial as that. It could be something less. But older people, in particular, last, lack some of the technology skills. So you can see how quickly your value would be to them. Uh, another example would be offering to uh, give them insight into what college kids are thinking today. Or um, if you're reaching out to somebody that's in retail, you know, what the trends are in Toronto, perhaps, if that's where you're at. Um, but there's all sorts of things you can offer. And I, I would really recommend that you offer versus ask. That typically will grow a network. And then the second piece of this is be sustainable. What I mean by that is too often people reach out, they do it once, and that's the end of it. You can't expect that to be a network. If you're going right. to do this, pick three or four people, not a hundred, just three or four, and then plan to build a relationship with them over a period of months. Um, then you start to really have a network and people will say, oh yeah, I know her. That's what you want people to say, not, yeah, she's a name on LinkedIn, but no, I know her. You know, she's consistently reached out to me. She's offered to help my company. Um, I know she's young, she's just out of college. But she has the skill set, you know, she was willing to do that for me for free just so that she could get the experience. And it was such a great help to me. Suddenly, you've got a relationship that could be a CEO of a company. It could be anybody. But that's the difference um, in just reaching out on LinkedIn to a network and actually making a, making a new connection that matters. That's a great piece of advice that I think a lot of our listeners can take with them. And I hope that by listening to you, hopefully they can reach out to either one person and do that same thing, offer a piece of advice, especially now in a time when everyone's at home. There's a lot of ways to help and there's a lot of extra spare time. So I hope that our listeners can take that piece of advice and use this as their sign to reach out to someone and hopefully offer something rather than ask for something in return. Absolutely. Talking, um, so talking about networking, I'd love to hear about three inspirational people who are in your network that you still look up to to this day. Okay, well, that's easy. There's plenty here, but I, I can think of three off the top. One is Mike Natz. He's the chief operating officer. I think that's his title now at the Kansas City Southern Railroad. He's been a long-term mentor and uh, was a former boss. Love him to death. Uh, also, another is Michelle Livingstone, VP of Transportation at Home Depot. I've known Michelle probably I don't know, 12, 13 years now. And she's been very inspirational in really helping women rise in the industry and, and really providing a great example of, of how to be a professional and female in uh, logistics and supply chain. And then the last person would likely be Kurt Kushner. Kurt um, was a consultant to a company I was at, Yellow Freight System, actually, when they were troubled uh, financially. And Kurt, uh, was able to give me insight into leadership that I really hadn't heard before, um, talking about courage and standing up when no one else is standing and having a point of view that might not be popular, but is accurate. So those would be the three that I think of, although there are plenty more. Awesome. I hope that, again, one of the reasons I started this podcast was for people to be able to meet new mentors, find out new people that might be of interest to them. So I hope that one of our listeners can take any three of the, any one of those people and use them as new inspiration and mentorship. So as I want to create this tradition on my podcast of ending each episode with the same question, and that question is one piece of advice that you would want 
to leave listeners with that you have learned throughout your time in your career or that you wish you had known when you started your career? Okay. Um, well, Stacy, I think that the advice I would give anyone starting out, first of all, look up. Don't assume that where you are today is where you're going to be. I certainly didn't graduate from college expecting to be a CEO or a senior vice president or any of the titles I've had. I expected to be a sales rep. So start by looking up. And then I think I'd leave you with this. Um, if you have any arrogance, lose it. Be hungry, humble, and smart. Now that comes from Patrick Lencioni who wrote the book, uh, I think it's the ideal team player. But hungry meaning always looking for more, leaning in, being passionate and committed, humble again, meaning that you're not self-promoting, and then smart, emotionally smart, understanding the emotional intelligence aspect of business and how important it is to unite and bring people together and make them better for your acquaintance, hungry, humble, and smart. That is awesome. Natalie, you have given us so much insight onto what it's been like in your career over the last 40 years, people you've looked up to, how you've overcome challenges, and some really, really great advice on networking and maintaining relationships that I think our listeners will definitely be able to take with them and implement into their own professional networks. So I wanna thank you so much for joining us on the show and taking the time out of your very busy day to speak with us and our listeners. It's been an absolute pleasure and we're so excited to have you. Well, thank you, Stacy, and you're doing a great job with this. This is really impressive. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Instagram at business.casual.podcast. Till next time.